Welcome to the EquipCast for the Archdiocese of Omaha. Designed to help leaders to transform their cultures, to embody the pastoral vision, to be one church, encountering Jesus, equipping disciples, and living mercy. All right, everybody, welcome to the EquipCast. My name is Jim Jansen, and I'm your host. And I, I am really grateful today for the opportunity to record uh, an EquipCast here, which I think, as I was reflecting on this, Ms. Vicki Koffold is joining us. Vicki, I think you are the first person I met who worked for the Archdiocese of Omaha before, after I was hired, but before I had originally started, remember I was snooping around trying to figure out what office I was going to get. We were in the old, old campus and stumbled onto someone I knew through mm-hmm. your, through your daughters. Yes. Uh, Vicki Koffold, thanks for being with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jim. Okay. So we are recording this uh, for Catholic Schools Week. And I, right, as a parent, I kind of have like a love and hate relationship with Catholic <laughs> Schools Week. Probably not unlike the teachers, right? So it's like, it's like, what? What do you mean it's pajama day? You know, and so right. then you're like, you're like. I think, I think we should have like crazy hat day here at the Chancery the week of Catholic oh, Schools Week. Oh, totally, we totally, we totally should. It's always, yeah, it's, I mean, but it's always like one of the, one of those things where it's like, it's like, yeah, we celebrate, you know, being Catholic schools by like throwing off our routines, throwing out the dress code. I think we pray a little bit more and we celebrate. But other than that, it's like all of the things that are distinctive stereotypes of Catholic schools get thrown out mm-hmm. <laughs> during that week. And as a parent, you have to scramble to get more snacks and to get odd, uh, whatever clothing uh, attire for the celebration. So we want to have an honest conversation today. If we can, we want to talk about some of the challenges that are facing our Catholic schools. There's such a beautiful gift to our country, but particularly for the in the Archdiocese of Omaha here, Catholic schools have been a rich part of our tradition. It's been really, yeah, really a, a, one of the primary expressions uh, of our mission for decades, for many, 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 many years. And there's some threats, so we want to have some honest conversations about those. Uh, but before we get started, Vicki, I want to give you a chance, right? You know, you're an EquipCast listener. Tell us a little bit about your story. When did you first encounter Jesus? So I want to go back when I was uh, young, uh, my, my mom had me when she was 16, and my dad wow. had me when uh, well, my dad was 18 or 19 when I was born. And uh, shortly after me being born, um, they ended up divorcing because that's, you know, two wrongs mm. don't necessarily make things right. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So then um, my mom remarries, and I remember being uh, five years old, and an older elderly couple would come by the house and take me to church with them. Mm. I think I asked my mom about this recently, and it was a couple that I think was watching me on Sundays because my mom was working at the diner or someplace. And, yeah. and so they were the couple that took me to church with them. I know that it wasn't a Catholic church, uh, but I know that I felt warm and I felt safe and cared for. So then, you know, fast forward a couple of years and we moved to where I grew up primarily, Auburn, Nebraska. And now my next door neighbors are taking me to church with them. Mm. So I don't know there was ever a conscious choice for me. I don't know if it was ever a conscious choice for uh, for of when I actually chose Jesus, but I feel like he he was choosing me early early on. So I was going to church yeah. with them, and um, 
again, I don't, it was not a Catholic church, but I remember feeling warm and feeling loved and welcomed. And I would do, uh, you know, Sunday school down in the, in the furnace room, you know, where you find all the little nooks and crannies in the church where you can have all the, <laughs> the formation things happen. I remember going to vacation Bible school in the summer, um, out, out in the country. And I seriously, I don't remember what church it was. So then we moved to a different part of town in Auburn. And by now I'm in fifth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade. And so I walked to the church that's two blocks away from my house because that's where I had classmates that I knew. And so I started going to church there. This is the United Church of Christ, so UCC. And uh, by the time I'm in uh, my junior high year, freshman in high school, I'm cantering. So I've been singing at church for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. And our pastor asked myself, uh, two of my good classmates, and then somebody who was a little bit older than us, to start leading children's church. So here's here's my first introduction into being an educator. Uh, a faith-based educator. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, so we would do um, Bible stories, um, skits, and uh, you know, singing the songs like "Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham." Um, and then the skits, I was typecast as um, Zelda, the bubblegum chewing tomboy that didn't know much about her faith. And because I lived two blocks away from the house, it was my job to come to the church. And I did the dittos, you know, these little ditto machines where you're just cranking oh, it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So this is my first experience in education, you know, the ditto machines. And I'm making the scripts for all of us to practice. So, you know, we're, we're teaching these kids about the fruits of the Holy Spirit and and, uh, and uh, parables and all the Bible stories. And I'm realizing I've never been baptized. Yeah. And uh, so my freshman year... The winter of my freshman year in high school, I made the commitment to, to choose to be baptized and um, was affirmed that this was a, a path I needed to take. So I, I went ahead and did it, and um, my parents weren't there. It was like the full immersion, too, you know, like dunked, and you had to change the whole clothes and everything. And so my one of my good friends, who was, you know, part of that group that I was uh, leading children's church with and and uh, doing singing things with, uh, she, you know, she came back. And so I continued doing all those things with the children's church and, and leading in the singing and all that stuff. And so here it is my senior year in high school. And I'm, I remember being in the pews and thinking, gosh, there's got to be more to this than passing around the grape juice and the wafer. Yeah. There has to be more. I don't know what it is I'm looking and for. And this is still in Auburn, right? Senior in high still school? Still in Auburn, senior in high school. So I went to the Methodist church because I had classmates there. I went to the Lutheran church. I went to the other Lutheran church because, you know, there's, there's still. <laughs> of course, yeah. And the Baptist church. And yeah. Some Catholics don't know that. There's You have multiple Lutheran churches yeah. to choose from. <laughs> yes. And uh, I don't know what I was looking for, but I wasn't finding it. So I go to college, and um, six blocks from, and I went to Doan College, which also has a UCC affiliation. That's not why I went there. But six blocks from campus is the UCC church there. So I went there. Have you know? Isn't that great? A college freshman chooses to go to church. On yeah, their own. not common. Yeah, yeah, not common. So again, I feel like God has called me. And so then, um, um, again, still the same thing. So I think, well, this must be what this is, must be what it's all about. Then I started dating who is currently now my husband. One Saturday night, he said, hey, I'm going to go to Mass. Do you want to come with me? And I said, sure, because I'm thinking if I go to Mass with him, then we're going to go out to eat and I don't have to eat in the cafeteria. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I did. And it was um, it was at the Eucharist that it just hit me. The Holy Spirit just hit me. Mm. This is what I've been looking for. So it was at the Eucharist that 
It just hit me that this is what I've been looking for this whole time. Um, so that summer, I went through instruction, one-on-one instruction with Father Vic Staholik, God rest his soul. And chapter at a time, I'd ask lots of questions each week. And um, at the end, you know, I didn't ask about the saints or Mary, so we talked about that a bit. And then um, it would have been February that next year that I, I chose the church. And now I've been in Catholic education longer than everybody else in my family. Wow. Vicki, I got, I mean, there's so many things I'd love in that story, but I'm, I'm fascinated by your neighbors, You're just drawing you to the Lord initially, you know, in these churches, taking you with, like, it's so beautiful. I love that. And obviously there was so much more, that, so much more of your story than unfolded, but I, yeah, I just almost couldn't get past that. That was so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what do you do now? All grown up. All grown up. Um, well, I taught music for 13 years. Whitney was one of my students back at Whoa, St. Whitney, James. Whoa, Whitney, the producer, yes! everybody, getting a shout out. Whitney was one of my students. I vaguely remember Whitney. I had, there's a lot of students. <laughs> well, there's like a lot of students that, that came through at St. James at the time that Whitney was there. Uh, yeah, but I that talk- was not the way I thought that was going to go. And I fondly remember her as the best. Like, I mean, I vaguely remember Whitney. She was okay. No, she was young. Like, you were like second grade when I left. So she was very young. Okay, when I left. fair enough. And then uh, crossed over to the dark side into administration. Oh, um, yeah. I was a principal for six years at uh, St. Wenceslas in Wahoo, Nebraska, not here in Omaha, yeah. and not in Dodge, Nebraska either. Although I got, I received a bill for something from the St. Wenceslas in Dodge, Nebraska, and a uh, Orpheum confirmation for the St. Wenceslas in Omaha, Nebraska, while I was the principal at Wenceslas <laughs> in Wahoo, Nebraska. So it was really, it was kind of funny that that happened. And then um, at, shortly, about six years after that, I became curriculum director for uh, the two grade schools uh, that feed into Bishop Newman High School in mm-hmm. Wahoo. So that's where I got uh, received a lot of my educational experience with um, curriculum specifically. Mm-hmm. And then uh, in 2016, the Lord called me uh, back to Omaha uh, here in the Archdiocese as curriculum and assessment. It was it was joyful. There was a, I would, didn't have to worry about too much except for curriculum and numbers and data. Mm-hmm. And then um, next thing I know, I'm assistant superintendent. And then in the midst of a pandemic, I become superintendent of schools. So. And if only all you had to worry oh, about was numbers and, and data. Yeah, that's right. That'd be awesome but the Lord equips those that he calls. So I keep my eyes on him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, such a time for it. Like, I know, I think I'm going to start this whole superintendent thing in in the midst of of a pandemic. Ironically, as we talked about, okay, what what do we want to talk about today? We actually didn't put the pandemic down actually as one of the biggest challenges, right, to Catholic education. I mean, it is, duh, but we wanted to maybe go in a different direction because, I mean, some of the pandemic challenges, some of them are hidden, but it's kind of the obvious one. There's a, there's a subtle one. So if I can get us started, I mean, Vicki, you, you spent decades as an educator in Catholic schools. And for generations, Catholic schools have held kind of pride of place in our parish's sense of mission. Um, in fact, I know many schools, it was almost kind of the, the mantra where, where as the parish was founded, the school would be built first and the, the parish you know, like the the church w- would be built uh, later. The connection between the church's mission to make disciples and the school's mission to educate disciples, it's been lost in some places. There is a surprising tension that has grown up. Can you walk us through some of the history and the context for the tension that we sometimes see between the mission of the parish and the mission of the school today? Well, I'm going to go way, 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 way back Ooh. to... Uh 
colonial times. Oh, fine. No, maybe not colonial times. This is what happens when you have a teacher on the equip yeah, cast. Yeah, yeah. We're going to go back to the first Catholic schools in the U.S. Began back in the year, early years of this country, founded by one of the saints in my posse. You want to mm-hmm. guess who that might be? Um, St. Francis. No. no, I'm kidding. I know. I, uh, St. Elizabeth Ann, Ann Seton. Seton. That's right. Mother Seton. Yeah, Mother Seton. Um, the Catholic school was not viewed as an educational system, but as an individual school seeking to instill the teachings and the values of the Roman Catholic Church. And these schools flourished because of the large waves of Catholic immigrants that yeah. were coming into America from Europe, and then the rise of some anti-Catholic sentiment that was going on. So yeah. They really were a refuge for our immigrant populations yeah. where they could preserve the faith and they could find... Uh, you know, a place where they, they weren't going to be persecuted. Mm-hmm. I mean, not, not just persecuted for the faith, but just, just welcomed as just as immigrants, just welcomed as, as people. So then you get to the 1800s and the public school system that began to formally develop and they adopted and advanced some core Protestant values, which motivated the continued growth of Catholic schools. So they okay. can instill those Catholic values. So then Catholic schools were established near Catholic churches for the convenience for parents to send their kids to that parish-based school. Yeah. Uh, there was that sense of community, a uh, sense of loyalty to the church, loyalty to the church and to the faith. And the schools existed as an extension of the mission of the parish in the formation mm-hmm. of its parishioners, and in this case, the youth of the parish. What's also interesting to note is prior to 1960, a majority of the teachers in the Catholic schools were members of a religious community. Right. Bells of St. Mary's, mm-hmm. you know, full-habited religious sisters yep. running everything. Mm-hmm. All kinds of stories I'm sure that some of your listeners might have about sister so-and-so. Yeah. And yeah. Oh, yeah. I was blessed. I went to St. Bernadette's here in Bellevue, and I'm blessed to have uh, Franciscan sisters teaching uh, mm-hmm. there. I remember it because when, when Kansas City was playing... You know, Omaha was like the farm club of like the Kansas City Royals, and when Kansas City was playing uh, St. Louis in the World Series, all the everybody was everybody was a uh, was a Royals fan except for the sisters who were diehard Cardinals fan because yeah. that's where their mother's mother house was. Right. So today, if you would look in the hallways of our schools, you see very few religious yeah uh, very, teaching. Yeah. It is very much. Um, the laity who are who are teaching in our schools and taking on the role of uh, Catholic school educators. Uh, our schools are still an extension of the parish, mm-hmm. and uh, our partner, we, we partner with the parish in the faith formation of the youth of the parish. So whether it's religious orders or the laity, uh, the core component of our Catholic schools is still to instill the teachings and the values of the Roman Catholic Church. So talk a little bit, Vicki. I think it's common sense, but there there was a there was a big challenge as you know religious are stepping away from some of those teaching roles, and then the need to try and financially compensate lay people. Um, you know, I mean, you know, religious communities were extraordinary. You get these beautiful full time dedicated laborers in the vineyard. In this case, as educators. And they're living a very austere communal life. The costs went up dramatically. So, Vicki, can you talk a little bit about, like, what did it do to the schools and the parishes as religious had to step away, as they were no longer able to staff the schools the, the way they, they once did? What did that do to the, to the school-parish dynamic? Um, I mean, it changed things. How did it, how did it impact our schools? 
So if the mission of the parish was to provide that Catholic education and the, lay, and the uh, religious were the ones that were staffing the schools, your costs to run the school were significantly lower. So as the religious um, no longer are working in our schools and you have more lay teachers working in our schools, that means the cost to run the school is going to significantly increase, which means the parish has to be resourceful. Uh, maybe that's your, in your development areas or fundraising, or and this is where your tuition comes to play to help have enough funds to support lay teachers. Right, who, just uh, yeah, just yeah. salaries for lay yeah. people who you know cost a little bit more than uh, than reli- than religious. I think there's another consequence too in that the religious often came in with deep formation as part of their right their religious communities. They, they come in as deep formation. And now we have, you know, lay people who are formed professionally as educators. They bring, you know, a wealth of, of experience and, you know, deep training, but don't necessarily have a, a deep formation in the faith. That's something that I know we've taken very seriously to try and stem the gap. Can you talk a little bit about what we've done here in Omaha to begin to offer ongoing formation in the faith for our, our teachers? Yeah. You know, I'm really thankful for all the teachers that elect to be teachers in our Catholic schools. And my sense is that a majority of them desire to teach in the Catholic schools because they love their faith. Yeah. They, they, they love Jesus and they want to share Jesus with their children. But you're exactly right. The formation of the educator in... Um, as pedagogy, uh, proper teaching strategies, meeting the needs of individual students is really, really high. Like that's all the training that they've gone through. Their training on theological, on, on the catechism, on the uh, catechism, and uh, all the deep theology. No, mm-hmm. <laughs> it is not. It's not. It's not as deep there. So what Archbishop? I'm really thankful for Archbishop's vision in this. He requires that all of our Catholic school teachers. Uh, go through 24 hours of faith formation. Uh, our preferred vendor... Our prever- every year. Every year. Every single year. Um, so that's a big commitment because that means our calendars have to be developed mm-hmm. around those 24 yeah. hours in addition to ongoing professional development that they have to do for for just instructional pieces. Right. So for that we continue to be yeah. the best teachers we can be. And then the 24 hours is on top of that for them to make sure that they're, they're grounded, solid in the faith. Our preferred vendor is... Uh, uh, Evangelium Institute. Uh, they have a variety of options that we can use from retreats to small group sessions to large group sessions. Uh, I'm really thankful for Keith and Omar and the work that they're doing with us to uh, to help our teachers be equipped to be those kind of the religious ed teachers for our kids. Yeah, it really is. I, I mean, there are, I'm not aware of very many uh, places around the country that are offering that. And I was blessed, again, to be an adjunct, uh, helping to, to, to do some of those formation days for our teachers. And for the most part, they loved it because they, they, they're people of faith. They're choosing to teach at a Catholic school. They, they want that formation, and it was a gift for them they couldn't find, couldn't find anywhere else, right? Where they could come and they could bring all of themselves into the classroom, including, right, their, their faith. Um, and it's, I think it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty exciting. There are very few places around the country that I'm aware of that are offering that to, to their teachers. Some of the, you know, we were talking about like the, the disconnect that's developed in some places between the, the responsibilities and, and the connection of mission between the parish and the school and parents. Parents are supposed to be the primary educator 
right? The, the primary faith formators of their children. We all know that that's not, well, if you've been a parent, you know, pretty quickly, that's not a, that's not a job you want to enter into alone. Talk a little bit about how do, how do those uh, spheres intersect? The, the responsibility of parents, what, what parishes can offer, what the schools offer, how do those intersect to help really form the next generation in the faith? Well, our schools really do honor the partnership with parents in the formation of their children. I, I think I look back at my time in Wahoo and uh, just in the, the beauty of living in a small town, you know, um, yeah. there's that sense of community. And I, and I believe even our schools, like in our communities, like in uh, uh, Hardington and in uh, Creighton and Osmond and Atkinson O'Neill, you yeah. know, some of those places, those small town communities, you know, there, there's, a, there's a curse and a blessing to living in a small town. Yes. Because yeah. the blessing is everybody knows everybody. And then the curse is everybody, everybody knows, knows everybody. everybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you can't get away with anything. So my time in Wahoo on any given Sunday, you know nearly everyone in the pews. You know the entire family, the grandparents, the aunts, the uncles, what part of town they live in, what car they drive, and maybe even what time they got home the night before. So <laughs> yeah. So anyhow, here in the city, I think it's a little bit harder to, to feel that same sense of community. But what's still important is that our schools still rely, still look to the parents as having that partnership. Mm -hmm. Whether it's in a small town community or whether it's here in the metro, that partnership with our parents is still critically important. We can't get away with that. And unfortunately, there are, uh, there are some parents who are guilty of dropping their kids off at school and just thinking they've done their part and providing uh, for, the, for their kids. And what most don't recognize is their own need to be an active participant in their own faith journey because uh, the kids will learn as much from what they see from their parents as they do from what they learn at school. Yeah. So it's that, we have to have it from both sides. Yeah, well, there's a phrase from my missionary days that haunts me, right? More is caught mm -hmm. than is taught. And I think, that's the, I think that's the challenge, right? I mean, if we can just be really honest for a while, that's where the rub is. Sometimes observers have noticed that, duh, the faith doesn't always stick for the next generation. And particularly if, if a young person has been through a Catholic school, the temptation is to think like, well, gosh, didn't the school do its job? Why didn't this young person pick up the faith? And it's a little bit more complex than that, right? You've got, right. You've got the role of the individual, first, the, right, the individual person themselves. Uh, students, sometimes to our frustration, have free will. But you've got the young person, you've got their parents, and you've got the larger faith community of the parish itself. And if all three of those aren't working together, mm -hmm. it can really become, well, it, it, can, beco it can become an, an obstacle or it can become a dramatic accelerator to a young person's faith. So you think about that. The, the kids see that witness of the adults yeah. in their life. I mean, you think about the people that took me to church with them. Uh, that's a witness of an adult yeah. in, in my life. And they begin to believe. Uh, so the witness, if, if, if they don't see that regular witness of someone going to church or someone believing that, that church and, and, and being part of that faith formation is an important thing, then they think that, oh, well, once I'm done with attending a Catholic school, then I can be done with that Catholic thing, right? Yeah. So parents need to model to their kids that the relationship with God and the church is ongoing, that we're never done growing in our understanding of God, uh, God's love for us and his compassion for us. We, we can't be done. Even 
you know, just like you, you know, in married life, you know, we're always <laughs> yeah. working on that relationship. I told you right? I loved you 20 years ago, dear. Why? <laughs> Isn't that count? Yeah. 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 And I got you flowers like at, I think at year yeah. five. Yeah. I mean, I think some of the challenges that we face is as people recognize, okay, you know, it's like, there's like layers here. It's like, okay, gosh, the young, young people are not picking up the faith. You know I mean? We, we won't need, we don't need to repeat them here, but the statistics are pretty devastating and pretty consistent. Then you say, okay, so we're not really, I mean, do we really expect that a second grade teacher now carries a responsibility in addition to help prepare a young person for, let's say, their first communion, that they also need to then revive the faith of their parents and help catechize their parents on, you know, on what first communion, what the sacrament of the, of the Eucharist means? That's actually the responsibility of the larger community, the parish. But oftentimes... That's that's a responsibility that and the responsibility of the individual parents themselves. That's where the ball is being dropped. Where it's, mm-hmm. I mean, if we're just honest, you know, it's unreasonable to expect a second grade teacher to cate- it's a, it's enough to catechize squirrely little kids, but then to expect mm-hmm. them to catechize the parents. That's the job of the parish, mm-hmm. and it's actually a golden opportunity. You know, it's very very hard to get. I mean, I know right as a parent, I have I have a nineteen year old all the way down to a three year old. And it is very hard to get my attention, but there are key, if you want to get my attention, if you want to grab my heart, you go through my kids. Utilizing those key moments where children are making their first communion and their first confession, where kids are being confirmed, uh, we have the first time they kind of enter, enter school, baptism, those are really key moments that parishes can leverage to, to grab the hearts and minds of parents and to really form them. Mm-hmm. Um, I was blessed to be a part of like some, some really fun work uh, at my parish before I, before I came to Omaha, uh, where we did that. And we would have parents taking off work and coming out of the, coming out of the woodwork just because they wanted to share that special moment with their mm-hmm. kids. And we used it as an opportunity to form parents in prayer, to reacquaint them with the Eucharist. Uh, well, you, think of, you think about every time a kid, oh, mom, I'm reading at mass tomorrow, or we're doing this play at mass tomorrow, they're going to be there. Oh yeah, they're going to be at they're going to be at church. You I mean, totally see. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, our fo- our focus at schools is the formation of the kids who are right there in front of us, and it's not just about the faith. We're, we're talking the whole kid, the intellectual, the the physical, the spiritual, the emotional right. formation as well as the spiritual piece right. of it. Math, PE. There's a yeah. lot of and just gosh, getting along with your classmates who yeah. make you really mad at recess because they took the ball and, you know. So there's all kinds of that yeah. stuff that going on. So I encourage our school leaders to look for opportunities to engage parents in the faith formation and evangelization activities, but it has to be a partnership. The schools can't do the heavy lifting there, but we mm-hmm. can we can be in partnership with the parish in that, in that area. Uh, to put it another way, the parish has the opportunity to come alongside the parents and to form them as parents, as faith formators themselves, just adult Christians and then faith formators. And the school's like, we've got them. <laughs> we actually have, like, because their their children are here, we have it. Yeah, you know, I'm thinking about those who might be listening. I, I think generally informal surveys, talking with uh, pastors, they would say typically they, they're, they're really grateful if they get 30% of their families that are coming to mass on Sunday. You know, uh, they're sending their kids to Catholic school. They're making financial sacrifices. They're selling magazines. They're doing all the other. <laughs> they're doing all of that stuff. And yet, even with that dedication, only thirty percent are showing up typically on Sundays. I know that can be a source of frustration 
But Vicky, let's talk a little bit about the opportunity that is, because I understand and I'm sympathetic towards those who find that it's a frustration, but I think it's worth turning it on its head and talking about the opportunity. What are the opportunities there? That is a loaded question, and I've I've heard that a lot from uh, some from some priests as well. And there's there's one particular priest that comes to mind that talks about bring them in with honey, not with vinegar. Yeah, yeah. And by just hammering on, you're not coming to church. You're not coming to church. Well, that's that's not that's not the sweetness that's bringing them into the church. That's not the beauty that's yeah. bringing them there. So well, or let's ask a question: Why? Right. Why are they not like what what is missing from their experience? Do they feel like they belong? Do, mm-hmm. do, do they have the basic formation to be able to appreciate what's being offered on Sunday? Right. I mean, the mass is kind of an insider's game. It kind of presumes it presumes evangelization. Right. There's a that trust between the school and the parish is important because, like I said, the schools can't do the heavy lifting in that in that area. But we can be in partnership with you. So, are there opportunities for the parish to connect with parents yeah. through the kids? That would bring them into more very specific activities that um, engage them. Yeah. Engage them, not just not to sit in the pew and, and get whatever the homily is, but mm-hmm. to like really engage them. Like, you know, service or, or um, Bible studies or like that means you or like things that are like really engaging them in something very purposeful. Yeah. I used to love, so I mentioned, right, when before coming to Omaha, my parish, we used to do a couple of things. One, we would plan those key sacramental moments. We would have a retreat for parents with the kids, right? And so, yes, there'd be pizza and dodgeball, but then there'd be a real substantive talk and time of formation for the parents. And then we'd facilitate a beautiful holy hour where the parents could go to confession and the kids can go to confession and they could actually pray together. And again, we had parents saying, just giving testimony about how how dramatically it affected them and how beautiful it was. And they never would have come had it not been for their kid. The parish could have offered that retreat any other time. You know, pick your, you know, they could have had Pope Francis come himself Mm -hmm. and offer the retreat and the parents wouldn't have come. They decided to come because Johnny said, mommy, are you coming? Are you going to be, you know, and, and, and that made all the difference. And then the parish would very intentionally, what we decided to do is say, okay, they've had this moment of, of retreat. We would set up those, uh, those parent-child retreats ahead of the small groups that we would do for Lent. So that at the end, you'd have, you know, if it was a second grade retreat, you'd have a sixth grade parent that would stand up and say, well, I have a second grader and a sixth grader. And when I went on this retreat a couple years ago, it was, it was a big turning point for me. And so I'm going to be leading a bunch of guys in a small group and... If you'd like to be a part of this, if this has been a good day for you and you want to continue, you know, I'm going to be leading the group and sign up here. And we, we gave people opportunities for their next step uh, in faith where, where they could be drawn in deeper and, and really feel like they were a part of the, the community. It's beautiful. We, we've talked about kind of like the, you know, the threat, the, the potential uh, division in, in mission. And, you know, there's this kind of need for our, for our communities to rediscover, you know, there's there's one mission, right? It's it's to make disciples, and there's a particular role that our schools play in educating our children, not just in the faith, but in like full education, you know, physical, emotional, social. But there's another, um, as we've been talking lately, there's there's another really big challenge that our schools have been facing. Talk a little bit about the teacher shortage. Oh. Man, Jim, the shortages are everywhere. Healthcare workers, servers at my favorite restaurant. 
Yeah. Priest shortages and teachers are really no exception. We've seen a steady decline in the past 30 years because there are more school-aged students, an aging teacher workforce, and a decline in college graduates majoring in education. Hmm. You get those three things. Wait, say, the, say, the, okay. say the things again. Less so people majoring are, in education. There are less people majoring in education, more people aging out or retiring, right. and more students that are school-aged. And it probably just got accelerated dramatically. I mean, particularly the aging out with COVID. Yeah. Yep. In December, there was uh, ads, uh, no, no, the news was uh, reporting at NESA, Nebraska Education Association, was talking about how many teachers are looking to leave the profession. It's like, man, don't, don't air that. I don't want our teachers to get ideas. We need them yeah. to stay. We need yeah. them to stay. Research, I just did a whole research on this, indicates that teachers desi- desire to be part of a community that supports them and engages mm-hmm. them. They want to work in a place where they have autonomy to be creative in their lesson planning, yet they also want the opportunity to collaborate with other teachers. Mm-hmm. And I think the culture in our Catholic schools is centered around the core values of our faith, and Catholic school teachers are drawn to that sense of mission that comes with the faith-based with a faith-based culture. They want to live their faith, uh, share it in the teaching, share in the teachings of the faith. Uh, they want to work in a faith-based environment. They like to create that close bond that's created between the staff and the students mm-hmm. and the parents when we create that sense of family. And uh, the, just those shares val- the, the shared values in the school community, in my mind, is that cultural cement that holds even the most diverse groups together. Yeah. Well, and you can see it. I mean, again, oftentimes, you know, you, you see it in the extracurriculars, whether it's like the school musical oh, yeah. or, you know, or uh, ath- athletics. But you can see a camaraderie and a school spirit that's that's really fun. Uh, it, it's a beautiful thing. And yeah, I, I mean, I think we'd like to think there's there's something special about our uh, our Catholic schools because we have all of the extracurriculars that everybody else has, plus uh, a deeper unity in Christ. Recently, I was able to go to one of our schools here in the metro. This is, I guess, I'm talking about this story because it, this highlight this particular story highlights the sense of community that can be felt Mm -hmm. in any school. And it also highlights the importance of teachers. Okay. So recently I had the opportunity to help out one of our schools. A teacher had suddenly lost her husband and many on the staff wanted to attend the funeral. So it was like half of them went to the rosary the night before and the other half went to the funeral. So a few of us from the Catholic school's office went over to assist the school for a couple of hours. I was able to cover a fifth grade classroom while their teacher attended the funeral. Very sad situation, very unexpected uh, loss. So very sad for the school community, but what a joy for me to be alone in a classroom with fifth graders. Normally the sup- the principals kind of walk the superintendent <laughs> around. Yeah. You know, be good, everybody. Here's a superintendent, right? No, but here I am uh, for an hour and a half, two different oh, groups of great. fifth graders uh, coming in here. Just me forming a relationship, talking about life, praying with them, sharing knowledge, engaging them to think, to imagine. It was a, it was really a really highlight day for me. I remember uh, one student came into the classroom and he said that he had a headache. You know, that could be a ploy just to get out of something, right? And I knew that one of my colleagues was down in the office covering. So I was like, how about... You just we we I asked him a few questions first of all, and then I said, "How about we hang out here? And if it gets worse, you let me know, and you know I can let you go to the office." Well, forty-five minutes later, the end of the class period comes. He's leaving. I said, "Hey, uh, how's your headache?" And he's like, "Uh, oh, oh, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine." So you know, teaching it is such a noble profession. Teachers have great caring hearts. They really have a desire to form the hearts and minds of their students. 
They want to prepare them for this life and for the next. And um, we can never underestimate the influence a teacher has on mm -hmm. the life of a child. Yeah, it'll never be tangibly measured. Uh, it's sometimes years before a teacher learns what kind of impact they had in a child's life, if they ever really know it at all. Mm -hmm. I occasionally, once in a while, I run into former students or parents of former students who recognize me, and they say something about the time I was teaching them or teaching their children. And just, you know, those few words of recognition or appreciation, I did, this is really powerful. Mm -hmm. I'm, 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 it, it strikes me. It happened again uh, this past November. Someone recognized me from St. James' time. And uh, it, it carries a teacher more than you think it would. Yeah. One, one compliment fuels oh, you for gosh. like a decade. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Vicki, I want to give you, as we kind of close here, I want to give you the opportunity to talk to someone who's listening, who's interested in education, uh, maybe, maybe as a first career um, or maybe as a second. Um, you know, there's, there's a, I think, I think one of the strategies for, uh, for, for answering our teacher shortage is to draw in other men and women who, you know, with a heart for children, with a heart for the faith, uh, for, for families, for education, to draw them in to, to teaching as, as a second career. I just want to give you a time just to kind of talk to them. What, what, do, you, what do you want to say to them? Kind of what I just said, it, we need you. We desperately need teachers who care about kids, who desire to form their hearts and minds. And, it, and if you, I mean, the state has all kinds of rules and regs that we have to follow. Uh, so if you have an interest in that, reach out to me if you'd like to, uh, to talk through uh, I mean, do you have some of the basic background to do that? Even paras in our schools mm. are, are huge, huge benefits to help a teacher. And just for, just for, yeah. right, for, for the layman out there, what's a para? Oh, uh, it's not, you're not the bird, right? It was no. a para, not a para, parrot. Not a parrot. Okay. Uh, Paraeducator or an aide, the teacher's aide. Uh, okay. There's a lot of different names for that. So the teacher would form the lesson plans, but the para or the aide would then be assisting the teacher and making sure that all the kids are receiving the type of instruction that they need or whatever the, whatever the need might be in the classroom. Kindergartners, tying my shoes. And there's less requirements yes. for certification to be prepared. So you could help almost right away as yes. a para. As a teacher, there's a little bit more to it because of the regulations within the state of Nebraska. Um, but with the people with the right kind of background educationally, there is mm -hmm. a path. And um, I know of numerous teachers that have come to education through other fields. Mm -hmm. uh, one was in broadcast journalism and just felt unfulfilled in their life. Uh, left that, was an assistant for me um, on the speech team at Bishop Newman for a while and is now um, a great teacher in the Lincoln Public School System. Another teacher left being a respiratory therapist to become a teacher for a short period of time. Wow. Uh, I've had teachers that have left who have... Uh, come to the Catholic schools after retiring from the public school yeah. and have come to the Catholic school to give back. There are many avenues. I'm, I'm hoping that the state will make the path even clearer for some people to come mm -hmm. into, the, uh, into our schools, hopefully even um, all of our schools, not just, uh, well, we just, need more we just need more educators. The shortage is real for every school, whether it's public or private or Catholic. That's where the need's everywhere. Yeah. No, we had, you know, we had talked about this personally. You know, I just, God rest her soul, just lost uh, my Aunt Patty, who'd been a teacher for mm -hmm. 30 plus years. Mm -hmm. And and she loved it. And yeah, it's one of those things I think, I think many of us miss. If you, if you have a heart to give of yourself, if you just can't help but tell stories, if you love your faith and you want to see it passed along to the next generation, there are a few opportunities 
that are that are more uh, uh, more fruitful and more available than than to to join the ranks of our educators. Mm-hmm. And in Catholic schools, we've gone to a few teacher fairs uh, this fall. Then we will continue to do some more yet here in uh, January and February. Yeah, with a cutout Pope Francis. Yes, we did bring the. And um, I've asked these kids, "Where are you from?" And they'll tell me where they're from. Oh, that we have a school right by that. Or you want small rural school? We have it. You want a large inner city school? You we have it. You want a school that has a lot of diversity? We have it. You want to live? Yeah. I mean, we we have it. Yeah, Whether the opportunity to teach in a diverse uh, environment right. is unbelievable. I mean, yeah. Pick your kind. Yeah, student teaching, uh, coming to teach with us. I mean, we've even, um, I started last last summer a new teacher orientation where we talk about what does it mean to be a Catholic school teacher and even some just some basic formation to, to build that networking and, and build the foundation. So it's a, it's so important uh, that I'm going to continue with this new teacher orientation because I just want to make sure that people that come to teach in our schools, that they feel supported and they feel valued and that they know what they're uh, what their their role is when they come into our schools. So we want to support them and continue to throughout. All right. So Vicki, where do, where do they sign up? If they're like, oh, that's me. I'm a respiratory therapist and I'm feeling totally <laughs> unfulfilled right now. Uh, where do they go if they want to find out more about how to how to pursue teaching or teaching as a second career? You'll have to go through the complicated website of uh, NDE's website, but to maybe to give me a call or email me. Okay, uh, love where my can school, they reach you? you LoveMySchool.com. You'll be able to find contact information. Uh, if you already, if you have a teaching degree that perhaps you've let lapse for a long, long time, there's all kinds of positions open on uh, Love My School. Look for careers uh, spot there, and you'll, you'll see the various openings. Uh, but you'll also be able to find my contact information on lovemyschool.com. Okay. I, I have a great staff, uh, so if, and I'm not always available, uh, but there are others in my office that are available that if I'm not able to answer the question, they can help answer it as well. Lovemyschool.com. They can see job openings, get the um, get the contact information to connect with you. And, and any parents who are thinking, gosh, maybe I should be thinking about uh, Catholic school, uh, you can uh, find the Catholic school that will be nearest your parish. Okay. Also right there. Vicki, thanks for being with us. Any final thoughts? No, I just thank, appreciate it for the time. And uh, so thank, thank all of our listeners uh, for the sacrifice and the prayers for sending their kids to Catholic schools and, and supporting uh, the work and the mission of the church through our schools. I'm just really grateful for that and uh, hope that we continue to serve the mission well. Well, and we'll, I mean, just uh, if I can, just on behalf of listeners, parents, I think, I, I think I've touched between my parent, for parents grandparents. I have connection to almost a half dozen schools here in the Archdiocese. You all have had quite a year, so thank you. Um, and just for our educators, parents, pastors, the whole parish communities that, that are supporting uh, our schools. You guys have had an incredible year, and you've done incredible things. Oh, um, I mean, to, to stay open, to continue to educate uh, our kids, uh, and you've kept people safe, and they've learned math all the way through. And they learned about Jesus. Yes. All right. Thanks, everybody. Uh, if you like this episode, go ahead and share it out. Hit the, you know, I mean, if you don't know how to use your phone, I don't know how to help you. No, but I mean, you'll, you can uh, hit the share button on uh, your, uh, your podcasting app of choice. And if you don't know how, like, you know, send an email to Whitney, the producer, and she'll teach you how to share. Thanks for being with us, and God bless. Mm-hmm.